0: Alright my friends, well welcome back to Trekology. Thank you so much for joining us yet again. Here we are, and as always, captain or co-captain of this ship I should say, my name is Jeff, and my other co-captain is of course Greg. How's it going Greg? Good Jeff.
1: How are you doing?
0: <laughs> I'm doing well. I've been trying to mix things up with our little intro piece, I guess. I never write this down, so I never quite know what I'm going to say. So this time it was co captains.
1: I like co captains.
0: Yeah, it's si- kind yeah. of silly. It's not even like, why would you have a co captain?
1: Would it be better if there were co-captains no like no no isn't that a whole
0: episode of the office right co-general managers and oscar has this whole thing about how many great countries have co-presidents None. and who
1: can forget the two
0: popes right exactly (laughs) which is ironic because haven't there been two popes several different times that's true. Yeah. Not and that not go so well. It never it never goes well. So that's still his point, I suppose. But speaking of no, not speaking of popes or anything else, unless that has to do with anything, how has your ventures into the Star Trek universe been recently? They've been nothing.
1: Oh. <laughs> this time change has really just messed me up. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going to bed at like eight o'clock, which was like seven o'clock. I think lately (laughs) (laughs) I've been sleeping between like three and 12 hours lately. Wow. That is a Uh, wide range. Yeah, I can't get to sleep and I can't stay asleep. So any downtime I have have been spent sleeping.
0: <laughs> i been sleeping. All right. All right. Since our journey through Deep Space Nine ended, I haven't we haven't dipped back in. Um, other than because I have clicked on far too many of the links that pop up on either my Google or my Yahoo homepage... Uh, It definitely is throwing me all of the little Star Trek blurbs and whatever little bits of trivia come out about Star Trek. Mm -hmm. A foray into the Star Trek universe that was kind of disappointing, to be honest. I saw a YouTube video popped up onto my feed that was never-before-seen clips from Star Trek Phase 2, which if you recall, that was supposed to be... The second, like, the spin-off series that yeah. instead got turned into Star Trek The Motion Picture. So, you know, I tuned into the video. I was all excited. Like, oh, man, like, I've never actually seen. And it turns out they were screen tests. So they weren't, like, it, it was just like, okay, walk up to this thing and hand this girl this. Okay, now walk up and hand it like this. And then walk up and hand it. And it was like, well, that's <laughs> yeah. dumb. And then Still. they did have a sound check with the guy who was supposed to be the new spock and it was just like sensors are just picking up something unusual captain and it's like well that did nothing for me i wanted like i don't know like some hidden story that never got told or something but instead it was just you know look at their 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 uniforms and how silly they looked and stuff like that so did they look silly yeah, the, the because if you remember from Star Trek, the motion picture, they were all wearing, like, jumpsuits. Like, that was the new look. And they had those weird floating belt buckles that were right at their, like, belly buttons. That was just not a good look. And it wasn't until Star Trek Two that I thought they really got that really great kind of naval... Uh, look with the you know double breasted whatever thing with the shoulder pads and all but it was much closer to star trek the motion picture and there was kind of not only the jumpsuits but there were some like toga looking things and yeah just i have a feeling if star trek phase two would have happened i'm not sure we'd be sitting here today uh (laughs) that might have been a a franchise killer so (laughs) who knows who knows Alright, well, why don't we dive in tonight, because tonight, my friends, assuming that you've all been following us over the last two episodes, we have been counting down, eliminating, if you will, uh, the contenders for greatest Star Trek captain of all time. And if for some reason you've missed our last two episodes, I really want to encourage you, like, maybe pause this right here, go back, see how we got here. Because even telling some of my friends about this, that we were doing this like March Madness captain's f- face off to try and figure out who the best two captains were, and that we landed for the final on Kirk and Picard, they were kind of like, well, yeah, duh, you did. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, I feel like we really, admittedly, fair. there were no yeah. surprises. All of the favorites won. I mean, the closest one was Janeway and Archer, which I know you kind of regretted, but...
1: Yeah, but we played it fair. Exactly. I feel
0: like we, you know, we had a system, and so for tonight, what we are doing is we're going to do our final, and we are going to pit Captain James Tiberius Kirk against Captain... Is his middle name Luke? I don't know. He can't be. Jean-Luc something Picard? Does he have a middle name? That's an
1: excellent question. I we should know like,
0: that. I feel like Q would know. I feel like it's like a girl's middle name. No? When he gets <laughs> flowers and tapestry, he just calls him Jean-Luc or Jean-Luc Pickard. So Captain Picard <laughs> against Captain Kirk to figure out once and for all who is the greatest captain of All of Star Trek. And again, as a little rehash, what we did in our first round, the round of eight, is that we used Stephen Covey's seven uh, habits of highly effective leaders. Last round, we used Sun Tzu and his five requirements for generals. So this round, we're kind of trying to up the ante each time. I don't know how many of you had heard of Stephen Covey. I don't know. I'm assuming most people have heard of Sun Tzu and the Art of War. This time, we're using kind of the big dog. Maybe some of you are not familiar as much with Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill's deal is he was actually Andrew Carnegie's biographer Andrew Carnegie obviously Carnegie Steel and ended up building Carnegie Hall among other things so Napoleon Hill wrote a biography about Andrew Carnegie and then went based on that to write this rules of business called Think and Grow Rich which came out in like the 30s which is kind of the first self-help like how to win at business sort of a book that was out there. So we're going to use Napoleon Hill's 11 attributes of effective leadership. And just as an overview, they kind of boil down to these 11 categories. We've got responsible, decisive, planner, courageous, fair, team player, self-control, leading from the front, respected, sympathetic, and detailed. Now, we'll obviously go into a little bit more detail uh, when we get into each one of these categories, but we're just going to do a straight up who was better at this. Was it Picard or was it Kirk? And we're going to go through all 11. All right, Greg, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. Here we go. Let's start off with responsible. And now by responsible... Uh, Hill meant the willingness to assume full responsibility. Now, I think this starts off as a tough one. Yeah. Because this feels, man, they both do this really, really well. They really
1: do. Both of them take full responsibility all the time.
0: Right, right. I mean, thinking about, like, you know, Star Trek VI, where even though kirk did not and nobody thinks kirk assassinated the chancellor he takes full responsibility i mean that's literally the is it not your responsibility is you know you're in charge of those under you but picard seems like he does a lot of the same sort of thing
1: can we think of a time when they didn't right assume full responsibility
0: right because the first thought i had was like shifting the blame where they said well it's actually this person's fault Mm-hmm. I don't know that I can think of a time where they did that. Yeah. I kind of want to look at Picard turning into Locutus, but that, oh, that feels yeah. unfair. It does. And and the fact that he almost like wanted to take responsibility for that, even though he had, you know, no control over it. Right. I guess there was only one or maybe two episodes of picard dealing with the maquis but i still feel like that was more cisco and the whole the federation not taking responsibility for turning a blind eye to this sort of a thing i don't Mm -hmm. know that that episode saw picard doing that and then thinking about like kirk's interaction with women interaction with like carol marcus he finds out that he has a son does he take responsibility Kinda, yeah.
1: hmm
0: Ooh, ooh, wait a minute. Going back to Measure of a Man and Picard's interaction with, what's her name, Philippa, the, the Judge Advocate General? Yeah. And about the time that, that, like, the relationship that they had and when she was, was prosecuting him for the stargazer, that uh-huh. interaction felt very... Like, Picard was not aware of any of the failings that he brought into their relationship. And that may have been a symptom of poor writing, but that was the impression the last time we watched that episode that I was left with. Interesting. So is it possible, as silly as it sounds, is it possible that Picard takes less responsibility in his relationships which may or may not actually affect the way that he leads but as a character characteristic of him as a person is it possible that he takes less responsibility in his relationships than Kirk does even though Kirk has a lot more kind of gets into a lot more trouble but yet seems to always end up you know taking responsibility doing the right thing
1: we're getting very much into the weeds here.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, because on the surface, it seems like uh, they would both be at 100%. So it's looking for any little chink in the armor.
1: I would say that's fair. A chink in the armor hmm. there. where he He doesn't accept as much responsibility in his relationships. Hmm. But now I'm trying to think of any examples with Kirk doing the same thing
0: right well and that's what i was thinking about like again carol marcus where they had a relationship a son right. he didn't know anything about exactly. but then he wants to form yes. a relationship with him and his death like you know devastates him thinking about like edith uh edith keeler from the city on the edges of uh, forever uh is that his death and granted some of it is also apocrypha uh, where some of the like, comics and stuff like that talk about how his her death like haunts him forever um, uh-huh. which would totally make sense with the way that he reacted to it but I never thought in any of the relationships that I saw Kirk have I don't know that I ever felt like he would just like you know formed a relationship and then just threw him away like that it, it, they always seemed to die or something happened or like whatever it was it just didn't seem like it was the same level of responsibility
1: yeah I think that the, the original series did not take as serious a look always mm. with, uh, with the relationships as next generation uh, both the show and the movies did
0: for me again the relationship thing I feel like I'm comfortable saying Kirk is like 100 and Picard's a ninety nine
1: point nine. But yeah, I'll go with that.
0: You'll go with that? So we'll give this one to Kirk by an eyelash? By an eyelash. Fair enough. Okay, moving on to decisive, which decisive would be like definitiveness of a decision. Like you make a decision, you can make a tough decision, and you stick by it. Now, I feel like this is a category we did in maybe it was the last round. Uh-huh. I don't know that I feel like either of them waffle a whole lot. No. I feel like def- decisiveness and confidence are can be pretty closely linked. And if the question was which one is more confident Kirk or Picard, I feel like I'd lean towards Kirk. Right. That would Kirk be just had easier. this Air of, yeah. and so that the dis- confidence that he would have in decision that he made, to say nothing of like if fucking McCoy like weighed in on it or whatever. Yeah, because then for Picard, I don't want to say that you know trusting in you know, Counselor Troy was a weakness, but it it would factor into his decision. I don't think it would be like was that the right decision, Counselor Troy? What do you think? Like I I, I don't. Certainly he would never convey that to the crew, I feel like. No, he wouldn't.
1: And and being decisive yeah. means like being able to make a decision and to stick with it. Exactly. Not a way where you have to go out and get a lot of information, just kind of do it, you know?
0: Uh, I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily impulsive. No? Yeah, I mean, because again, the, the definitiveness of decision is the way that uh, Hill defines this. So That's I think true. it's more like when he makes a decision, I, I do think there is a certain level of like being willing to make a decision, is that if you are indecisive and then it takes you forever and then you finally do it and then you like, okay, I guess I'll stick with this. That That does factor in, but I think the quickness to which you make uh, a decision, is maybe a lesser part than your stick to The
1: the definitive decision. A person who wavers in the decision shows that they're not sure of themselves and as a result cannot lead, lead others successfully. Great leaders have the habit of making decisions quickly and changing them very slowly. Which I think, it, it describes both of them, but Kirk, that's more of a characteristic of Kirk, more than Picard. Right, right. Yeah. Yep. So I think I think this one should go to Kirk.
0: Yep. I think this one's a little bit little bit. I mean again, it's still a strength of both of theirs, but I think you're right that it's it feels a little bit more of a strength of Captain Kirk's.
1: And this is the problem of course with these. I mean, we're, these are the two titans. Exactly. of the franchise. Yep. yep. You know, these are they're the both almost
0: uh-huh. 100%. Right. Now we get into planner which is his i think hill's definition is a little bit less about the propensity to plan and more of the definitiveness of the like the trusting in the plans that you've made which sounds similar to decision but it's a little bit more like broader in scope i think Um, Uh uh-huh Personally, I think you can expand it into, if you're unwilling to make plans or you don't really make much plans, you're not going to have much, you know, trust in your plans either. So having plans, putting trust in the plans, like, yeah, Kirk doesn't seem like a whole lot of a planner. He seems like much more of a reactor. And I'm just, again, I think we talked about this in our last uh, podcast if it was him in Cisco's position when he's facing off in the Dominion, Kirk would have not have hesitated. He would have just charged into the wormhole and right. said, We'll figure something out in there. Like he's yeah. not gonna come up with this detailed plan. Whereas Picard, I feel like that's his that's his jam. He's gonna come up with a plan. I don't think he's gonna do it until he has a plan. And he's gonna yeah. consult, you know, let's get the senior staff together and let's come up with a plan that involves all of your strengths and all that sort of stuff.
1: Right. Not only that, but even if Kirk did come up with a plan with, you know, his senior staff, uh-huh. there's no assuredness that he's actually going to go down that plan step by step. That's true. Halfway through the plan, he might think that something else is a better way to do it and start doing that.
0: That's a good point. Because that's
1: how Kirk rolls.
0: Yep, yep. And his, so his, his adaptiveness actually kind of fits, yeah, gets in the way of that. All right. So yeah. So I think again, as much as Picard or uh, Kirk might have had the advantage with decisiveness, uh, Picard even more so has, I think, the advantage as a planner. Okay. So now another tough one: courageous, unwavering courage. I feel like, especially because these ri- these characters are written as models of courage, especially as leaders, it's almost. It's almost trying to look for the the presence of the negative, like times that they displayed cowardice. And even that is tough because nobody wants, I don't know, nobody wants to see their captain behaving cowardly.
1: The description here for unwavering courage, it says, based upon knowledge of self and of one's occupation – no follower w- wishes to be led by a leader who lacks self-confidence and courage.
0: Self-confidence. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I think that both Kirk and Picard have self-confidence. Yeah. I think Kirk might hmm. be a little more confident in himself hmm. in like in his um decision-making ability and his in his actions that they are always going to be the best actions. Hmm.
0: Confidence. Um yeah. and then
1: go forward that. I mean it, it's enough that it's um it could also be a, uh, a detriment to him. Right,
0: a weakness, yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I feel like courage and boldness get kind of intertwined. Like, is that brave or is that just bold? Or is that even stupid? Right. If Again, is charging into the worm, wormhole, uh, not <laughs> having any idea how you're going to face thousands of dominion ships is that brave or is that just you know foolhardy the interesting one from me from last episode that again really resonated with me was how much respect wharf has for picard's courage It's true and not only that there's a physical confrontation i would totally want captain Kirk to be fighting this guy physically than Picard. And yet Picard doesn't really seem to back down when he's in those sort of physical, it doesn't happen as much because that's what Riker is for, but he he seems to be much less physically gifted. And yet he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't let that stop him when he's wharfs. um, chadich or when he's on the Uh the planet and darmok facing off against the predator creature or whatever like he's still like that's a lot of courage to be doing that when you're i mean i always thought picard was older than he was because i guess he was in his what late 40s he looked like he was in his mid 60s he had no hair it was white (laughs) he was (laughs) Way older than everybody else in the crew, but I don't think he was actually that old. He wasn't infirmed. He wasn't like a little old man, but.
1: No. But you never see him out in fistfights until, you know, later, like doing anything physical like Kirk was, which makes Kirk at least appear to be more. I mean, physical, but like more uh, virile, for lack of a better word.
0: Exactly. But that's not courage. Right. That's just. Well, except for what I'm talking about is the virility. If you know you don't have that, doesn't it take more courage? Like, Kirk probably knows I can probably beat most people. I'm more physically fit than just about everybody that I run across, Mm -hmm. and I'm in great shape. Picard, less so. Like, I mean, I could fence most of these people, but unless you've got a foil in your hand, like, we're kind of in trouble here. But it didn't seem to slow him down. So the, what what popped into my head was tapestry. So, you know, they do the flashback where Picard is this impetuous young kid, and he stabs a Nausicaan. No, he doesn't stab. He punches a Nausicaan, which gets him him stabbed. And older Picard looks back at that and regrets it. And says, I was too brash and I was too, like, whatever. And then Q kind of teaches him, I guess, the importance of boldness or whatever. But before that episode, he would have said that he regretted that bold, one might call it brave action. So, I don't know. I wonder if Picard's cautiousness in some way impedes his courage. Not that it makes... Not that cautiousness is cowardice but Mm -hmm. it's just not he doesn't have as many opportunities to show his courage as kirk who has much less caution gets plenty of opportunities to put his courage on display
1: we talked about how picard plans and plans yes rather than going right into the fight you were talking about how caution can temper his courage how does planning relate to that like If you have a really good plan about how you're going to fight this guy, is that less courage than just going straight in and doing it?
0: It doesn't feel like it's related at all. But thinking about uh, the age-old question, at least for me age-old, of like, would you take a bullet for somebody? Would I jump in front of a bullet to save somebody else? I don't know the answer to that because I have never been in a situation where I have needed to do that. Now, does that mean that I am less brave because I have never done that before or has my courage just never, I've never been able to display that courage? Is it it an actual built-in thing or is courage just something that is displayed?
1: How do you know if somebody has it without it being displayed?
0: Right. If you never use your courage, is it really there? Yeah. So then are the people that use their courage more, do they have more courage?
1: I mean, what we're getting at is, is courage an innate uh, trait or is it a action?
0: Right. I think the key in this is not the courage. The key is unwavering. That's what I think Hill would emphasize. Which yeah. is tough, because I think that's where we're both at 100%. Unwavering. Yeah. I don't think we ever saw their courage waver. Yeah. Uh, my Neither. question is just the ample opportunities that Kirk had for pers- displays of personal courage. Almost going back to uh, Best of Both or I guess not technically Best of Both Worlds, but The Aftermath, like Home and some of those other episodes... Where we saw how Picard was so beating himself up over his perceived failure to stop the Borg. And in his eyes, he was tested and he failed. Now I think we would all say, no you didn't, there was nothing you could have done. Although if I'm I'm honest, I think if Kirk is in that situation, I don't know. Uh, It feels like something else is happening.
1: Yeah, that's a good point
0: not that i'm faulting picard for his actions in best of both worlds but it was i haven't been tested like that before whereas kirk again was kind of tested again and again and again and found like never found wanting
1: this is the thing it's close it's close right. both ways right. yep you know my first instinct with this category is kirk mhm and i th- i think that he does edge out picard but again Just barely.
0: (laughs) Right. Because again, I think the focus is on unwavering. And on unwavering courage, I would give them both 100%. For me, I would agree. I think Kirk edges out just because of how much opportunity he's had to prove his courage. And I think that is totally a symptom of the writing back in the 60s and the nature of what starfleet was like under with picard is that the captain didn't go on away missions anymore the primary need like now if we wanted to compare like Riker and kirk now we're in a whole different sort of discussion right that's not what we're doing so i would agree and again that'll be because we have to find exactly because we have to find a, uh, a winner i would give it to kirk
1: yeah okay i i feel comfortable with that
0: Okay, so now we move to fair, or a keen sense of justice. Now, the interesting thing is I was reading this description, a keen sense of justice. How does one define justice? Like, is justice a universal concept? There is a definitive right and wrong, and we just have a keen sense of it, or is it I know for sure what is right and wrong and I never doubt my own this is what's right and this is what's wrong. Because I feel like that's where they diverge. For me, I feel like Kirk had his own sense of this is what is right. So like, if this society is going in one direction that I say, like this is the wrong direction for you people. He would redirect this civilization into... like a direction that he thought was better for them. So to him, that would be his sense of justice. I think. Yeah. Picard had a much broader perspective on almost like a universal. My way is not always the right way. So what is the universal sense of justice here?
1: Yeah. Maybe a more um, modern sense in in that, in the 60s, Kirk's idea of justice about like making things right, you know, that, that there is a, a sense of we know what's right. So we'll, right. let's make it that way versus Picard's more relativistic look at, at what right is what correct
0: is right i think it was john wooden the, the basketball coach he said that i don't treat everybody the same but i treat everybody fairly
1: that's what my dad used to say too oh,
0: okay because like he he would talk from a basketball perspective where it's just like honest like obviously i'm not going to treat my superstar player the same way i'm going to treat the, the last guy on the bench because they're different people And they have different needs and they have different talents and they have different skills, but I'm going to treat them all fairly with the challenge being now you've needed a definition of fair that is, you know, universal, but is also flexible in all of that. So especially by today's standards, I really feel like you have to give it to Picard because Kirk's, again, he believes he knows what is right and what is wrong and is is almost the moral judge of all of this but i feel like that's problematic especially in today's world and i would say even in picard's world it's not as not as uh
1: i think that's a good point that even in the original series it is a little problematic right even in context there
0: all right so we will give that one to jean-luc which leads us to cooperation or being a team player. So, and this is interesting as a leader. So, it's it's not necessarily like team player as in like sometimes you're the leader and sometimes you're the follower. But more kind of, you know, letting everybody play. Everybody has a voice. All of that. And, and that sense of, yeah, working together and, and cooperating. Which Kirk did that really really well with mccoy and spock but not so uh-huh. great with anybody else whereas picard right and we talked about like a this team.
1: In a previous episode yes about how his utilization uh was very limited mm. to just the the core group of the three of them
0: and, and even that to be honest i don't know that i would say the three of them were a team I mean, they, you know, yeah. and he definitely knew what Spock could do, and he definitely, he would call on Spock's, you know, resources and, and stuff like that. But it still felt like this was this was Pic- Kirk's jam. Like, he was the one, and y'all are supporting him. Whereas Picard, it felt like a team. It felt like the Enterprise was a team working together. And yes, you know, Picard was sitting in the big chair, but... Um, definitely. Okay. So that actually brings us to a three to three tie as just an update as we're just over halfway through. So now let's move on to self-control, which I think is fairly self-explanatory. Someone that is, you know, in control of their faculties. Personally, from experience, I think this fits in here, like self-awareness. This feels Mm -hmm. like the same sort of a thing that you you know if you don't know who you are you can't really control I think that's
1: absolutely true.
0: Okay, okay.
1: You have to have some sense of who you are. Right. Uh, otherwise there's no no discipline there.
0: Exactly. You know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, all of that. And which is interesting because self-control one would probably not think, especially if we're talking about Kirk being impulsive and bold and even brash, didn't really sound like self-control. I don't. I think he was pretty darn self. Like I think he almost at all times knew what he was doing and was in control of his faculties, knew what he was capable of, and you know wasn't getting out of hand or losing losing control. Yeah. When we're going to talk about self-awareness, that one's a little a little shakier. Where I mean they do feel like they're interrelated. So if you he had to have a good deal of self-awareness to have self-control. But if I just talk about self-awareness, it's feeling like there's some holes there. And ironically for me, I feel like Picard is in that very, very similar boat where almost absurdly we never saw Picard losing control. Like his self-control felt legendary. But self-awareness, again, uh... so I don't know. So maybe this is another one where self-control, they're both really, really high and self-awareness is more where the gaps will be.
1: Interesting. You know, I'm thinking of Kirk and his outbursts of emotion sometimes. Okay. You know, where he will suddenly Ooh. yell or like emotional self-control, you know, that yeah. him um, y- yelling out, you know, "Con!"
0: But oh, uh, see, I was thinking about that. Isn't that a ruse though? Isn't, doesn't, isn't yeah, that an intentional well. ruse to mislead Khan into thinking that he's desperate?
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: So think about what's that one called? The Enemy Within where he gets split in half and there's like the passive yeah. Kirk and the psycho Kirk. And yeah. th- the understanding is these are the two parts of his personality separated from one another. So it's like uh-huh. Kirk has that inside of him and we don't see that. Uh, like it like that like rage monster almost um you know dr jekyll mr hyde
1: right and you could kind of think like how true is that in the rest of the show that that we see that rage kirk tempered by the you know too meek
0: kirk right well that's what i was saying that's kind of what i was thinking is that because of his self-control is that so he's Uh got the rage kirk but the rage kirk doesn't we don't see Rage Kirk. I'm thinking of two moments of loss of self-control for each of them. So the one is Kirk when his son David is killed. And he, like, falls off his chair and, and you know... Yeah. I killed my son. Understandable, but a loss of control. And then you get Picard in Home when he's wrestling with his brother... And just breaks down crying about his experience with the Borg. Again, totally understandable loss of control. In fact, if they didn't lose control in those moments, you'd be like, you are not human. Right. I don't know. Is that the closest we get to what it looks like for them to lose self-control?
1: That's rough. It is, isn't it? That is a...
0: And probably the heart of this, I think it would be a virtue because if you were not able to control your emotions as a leader, then you would make decisions from that position and make them improperly. Ooh, now we're going down. Okay, so that moment for Kirk. Yes, there he actually lost like physical control and he got choked up and whatever. I'd say the same thing when Spock died. Like, he got choked up, obviously, at Spock's memorial or whatever. From that point on, as we saw in Star Trek VI, I have never trusted Klingons, and I never will. I can never forgive them for the death of my son. So that moment made him lose control. I can no longer look at this objectively until Star Trek VI. Oh, gosh, now we're back to where we started. For Picard... Does he lose control with his perspective for the Borg, where I will never see the Borg as anything other than the enemy until I Borg, where he has that same experience of Hugh? I cannot look at this creature as, a, as an individual, but then he does. So they've lost control, and then they regain it. Is that fair to say? And then they, re- they, they repent of it, essentially? At that point. Yeah. And that's why these are the two best. Like this is such an admirable quality that they identify this flaw and they overcome it. And so now we've, 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 I've kind of gotten to the point of what about implicit biases that we've got inside of ourselves that we are unaware of or, or not that is affecting our decisions. That feels like... So I'm not fully in self-control. Now we're getting into self-aware in some ways as Uh well. Yeah. I might go then that Kirk's fanatical, I would say, love of the Enterprise that we see that's one of the reasons he's trying to fill this hole by being with all of these women is because his true love is of the Enterprise I feel like that feels like a like a gap, like a flaw, like a weakness or, or whatever. That he has this, that he is probably, I don't know that he is aware of, but there's this like hole in his character or personality that I feel like has to affect the way that he leads in some way.
1: Yeah, like that self-awareness. Yeah, I would go with that. Yeah. I, I would... It does affect his decisions okay. a lot without him knowing it.
0: Right. Right. Wait. Okay. Hold on. Time out. Time out. No, now, no, no, no,
1: no, no. We're getting somewhere here. <laughs> uh,
0: we are. But let me throw one more out there. All good things. Finale. Picard realizes for the first time that he has not <laughs> developed the interpersonal relationships with his crew that he uh-huh. always should have. And he regrets it. And he says, I should have done this a long time ago. Ooh, that feels really big.
1: He comes to that realization. Does Kirk ever come to that realization?
0: Does he realize that his true love is the Enterprise? No, because that's what he's wrestling with in Star Trek Two: is that he's lost the Enterprise. And that's one of the reasons he feels so empty and hollow. Um, We don't really get to... Oh, I'm kind of feeling like the bigger thing here is the interpersonal relationships with his crew feels like a fundamental part of leadership that Picard didn't realize he was lacking until the end of the the, the TV show he does Mm -hmm. realize it like we said and so he deserves credit for that but the fact that he went seven years without realizing that that feels like a lack of self-awareness i don't know for me as i think about it that starts to feel more significant than kirk's lack of self-awareness that he's got this hole because of his love like the, the enterprises is his true love
1: yeah i think we see in picard that he still is to a certain extent wrestling with that too
0: the fact that the show does make a point I mean, he literally says, I should have done this like long ago. And the regret that literally the entire series ends on um, makes it feel like if Picard could go back and do the entire however long their actual tour of duty was again, he would do it differently. And that feels like, again, is that self-control? Not necessarily outside of like actual self, like control of self, awareness of self and ability to control, you know, and how can you control what you're not aware of?
1: Right. And that self-awareness is built into the to the discussion here, you know, by by Napoleon Hill.
0: So I don't know, for me, I feel like I've flip flopped, is that uh I came in very much thinking that uh Picard has like demonstrates more self control than Kirk does. But as uh as I have factored in that self awareness thing, I feel like that last piece for me kind of pushed it over the edge.
1: Yeah. I I was I was the same way.
0: So we're comfortable enough giving that one to Captain Kirk? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Moving right along. Leading from the front, which, and that was just the way that I phrased this. Really what what uh, Hill was talking about, uh, he called it the habit of doing more than paid for, which essentially is I wouldn't ask anyone else to do something that I'm not willing to do. Right.
1: I've pulled up the book now by Napoleon Hill. Okay. And uh, he says here, one of the penalties of leadership is the necessity of willingness upon the part of the leader to do more than he requires of his followers. And I don't know that that if we say that Picard doesn't qualify for this because he didn't go on the away missions. I don't think that that's that's at all proper in that in that kind of reference.
0: And, and not only that, but it's also it's the, the as a leader, like he kind of had done his due where it seems <laughs> like he'd been a first officer. He'd led away missions back in his day uh, and all of that. And I think all the crew knew that. And again, almost going back to the wharf thing. Uh, Worf knew Picard would would do it for me. He would lay his life down for me. Ooh, you know what? Now, as I think about it, would they think that about Captain Kirk? I don't know i mean he 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 he, he would, gets out you know,
1: of a lot of tight situations where a lot of other people die
0: right, and he definitely has the boldness to like i mean again, he's leading the away missions he's going out and he's doing that stuff. It's not so much a he would do it for me from a personal level from a like he, he he cares about me, and he knows me, and he's... That's not the point here. The point is more the... Yeah, the um, willingness to put themselves on the line. Willingness to... Yeah, again. What about, like, doing the dirty work? Because the spectacular... Like, hey, I'm willing to go and put myself in danger. Are either Kirk or Picard willing to do... Kirk
1: puts himself into danger pretty often.
0: Right, that's more the danger part, but I'm more thinking about I don't know, do we ever see either like janitorial of them duty? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like the
1: I don't think Kirk would, honestly.
0: Yeah, I for some reason I, I
1: can't see Kirk clean a toilet.
0: Yeah, for some reason I'm picturing like <laughs> I don't know why I'm picturing trouble with Tribbles. Because I don't know that. No, in fact, he didn't clean up all of the the tribbles, right? Well, no, I right. Guess he didn't ask someone to. No, he did. He asked somebody else to clean up all the tribbles. Um, but would Picard have cleaned up the tribbles?
1: Just judging from their character, yeah. Like, if if a toilet had to be scrubbed, I can see Picard doing it. Yeah, Although... and I don't think that Kirk would.
0: Right. Although I throw tapestry in there again, when he saw himself as like a junior grade science officer, he was like, that is not my life. I could not do that. It's just like the humiliation of being a junior grade officer. That's a horrible <laughs> existence. So, which, and I, to be fair, like he was also talking about his own personality and his you know not being able to take risks rather than i refuse because he'd been junior grade at some point coming out of the academy or whatever right yeah i think you're right because i feel like kirk was more interested in doing the spec the like (laughs) i'm gonna go jump off this cliff or whatever yeah that's a good point yeah i don't know why but what is it about picard Like, why do we think he would scrub a toilet when we never saw him do anything like that? He
1: just seems more humble.
0: (laughs) I mean, I think part of it is honestly the fact that he doesn't lead all the away missions, that he doesn't feel the need to. But it does make him feel more humble, it seems. Uh, He did... Oh, no. He, <laughs> I was going to say, like in Darmok, when he's down on that planet, he did make a fire. But no, no, he failed at making a fire. He couldn't make a fire. And the other captain had to give him the fire. So maybe he'd be really bad at scrubbing a toilet. I don't know if this works. I, I Yeah. Because I feel like Kirk, I cannot imagine Kirk being in that situation. Where he's just like trying to make a fire and failing. Nope. that That wouldn't be... I don't know why, but Kirk would figure out some other way of lighting that fire without yes, having to can. ask for help. <laughs> You're right. I guess I can see the humility side I think I would give to to Picard. I don't know that I have a whole lot of terribly specific examples, but yeah, it does make a lot awful. of sense. <laughs> that has to be part of this. Yeah. I think that is much larger the point than the one because I mean if you think about it from a leader perspective this is not about the one seeking the glory the one that's always going to be like oh someone needs to accept this award well gosh I'll do it like no 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 it's it's the, <laughs> again the ones because you know thinking about you know you're running a business or something like that being willing to do the things that you would ask other people to do is quite often not the glory seeking things but the the, the humble things. And yeah, so I'm comfortable giving this one to Picard. All right, let's do it. Wonderful, okay. And we're we're tied still, right? Uh, yep, that tied it back up again. So then respected or having a pleasing personality.
1: No slovenly careless person can become a successful leader. Leadership calls for respect. Followers will not respect a leader who does not grade high on all factors of a pleasing personality.
0: Okay, so yeah, respected, I think that does sum it up, respected, pleasing personality. So I feel like if I factor both of these in together, respect both get very, very high marks. In fact, I might almost get Picard slightly higher because apparently everyone in his crew seems to think that picard is great at everything right and they're like well yeah. we need a great pilot that's captain picard well i need a great fighter that's captain Picard." they just again yeah. he always seems to come up even though he's not doing these things that he's yeah. the one
1: <laughs> yeah i mean he, he's treated as almost like a god right
0: right, right. So that level of respect, but the same thing with Captain Kirk is that the, the f- almost fanatical devotion. I mean, I think Star Trek three is a great example of the entire senior staff essentially throws their careers away and is willing to go to prison. I mean, sure, it's because they like Spock and all, but it's I think it's way more about their devotion to Captain Kirk, like or I guess he's an admiral at the point. Like, Admiral Kirk says go, and, like, well, like, I guess I'm going to quit this job, and I'm going to go and do whatever Admiral Kirk wants me to do. But for me, that pleasing personality, I don't know, is there some level of relatability and attractiveness that fits in here? Not physical attractive, but, like, attraction, <laughs> you know, like, charisma. Is that is that fit in with pleasing personality? I think so,
1: because... Yeah, it says no slovenly, careless person can become a successful leader. And I think that has, you know, some of that that attractiveness is part of that.
0: Right. Because obviously I wouldn't call either of them slovenly. Uh, No. But if you're going to talk about charisma, ability to attract people, having a pleasing personality, or just personality in general, it feels like that one has to go to Kirk. Because... Picard, I mean, one, like we talked about in a couple of categories ago, Picard didn't have the relatability and relationship and the crew, yeah. but also just the, I mean, you know, Captain Kirk just oozed charisma. And that even just kind of like the banter, like I think about, isn't it trouble? It is trouble with tribbles where, you know, he, what is it? Doesn't he sit on a tribble and he just kind of like looks at his yeoman or whatever and just kind of (laughs) like, they just have these kind of like, Seriously? Seriously? Kind of like (laughs) that level of comfortableness because of the personality of Kirk. But then even Shatner versus Patrick Stewart, I feel like a young William Shatner has a lot more charisma.
1: Definitely. Absolutely more charisma.
0: Do you think that would bump his respectedness above Picard's? It seems like
1: Picard has a number of Enemies within the Federation, Kirk does not seem to have that many problems with other people in the Federation.
0: Okay, okay.
1: To me, that says that he is more respected, not just among the people below him, but also among his peers.
0: What about even his enemies? I mean, both Picard and Kirk have a reputation among their adversaries. I would say Kirk's is a little more legendary. Yeah. Especially, I mean, even before he retires, it feels like the Klingons, like his name is reviled. Yeah. The level of respect that the Klingons give him. Now, granted, I don't know that there are en- there are enemies like that for Picard, but... Yeah, I think that you're right. The, those two might might factor even heavier than the charisma. I think I would give it to Kirk. Okay, okay. I see that. Okie doke, two more. How about sympathetic? Sympathy and understanding. This one almost feels like a heavily weighted towards Picard. Yeah,
1: right? I think so too. Because there's no there's no place for sympathy for yeah. Kirk.
0: It, I mean... Obviously Kirk is far more relatable and like buddy buddy. Just to, and, and his manner as well is much much more approachable. But yeah. sympathy to say nothing of the red shirts. How much sympathy does he show <laughs> to the guy who dies every single episode? Uh, like yeah. Whereas and and, then, and and again, understanding. Does he know anything about Lieutenant Sulu's background? family history struggles no but picard like he knows so much about data and his life he knows so much about wesley yeah. he knows his dad for crying out loud and and you know crusher and uh all of them he does seem to know i mean even you know Riker and just like the counsel that he gives whenever he busts out will you know he just that that's that's the fatherly <laughs> advice it's about to come down yeah,
1: I think our first, like, hands down, yeah. this is Picard.
0: Yep, yep. All right, last but not least, Detailed. Having a mastery of detail.
1: This one, I I feel like, is going to be another one that is really for Picard. Yeah. Because I think that Kirk's uh, brashness yeah. and his willingness to go straight into a fight... Without really considering all the other factors here, usually, like there are some exceptions, but usually he goes straight into it without really going into the detail.
0: Uh, Because I think it was one of the first original series episodes I saw was a piece of the action, which is the one where they go down to like the gang planet, and the end of the episode is bones saying that he left his communicator on the planet and kirk's response is like is he makes a joke out of it he's like do you know what this means he means someday they may figure out how to make a society and ask for a piece of our action and that's the end of the episode and it's just like (laughs) we're not going back to it we may have just (laughs) devastated a civilization again oh well and away they go So, yeah, I think you're right. Whereas Picard, I mean, again, the whole, like, uh, who watches the Watchers thing. Whereas the, like, the detail, well, there might be a slight interruption in one town in this entire civilization. One town! Oh, my goodness. Like, we gotta, we gotta, I gotta be killed in order to convince them that there are no, like, that I am not a god. Like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Like, yeah, I think you're right that it does feel like Picard's... Okay, so the one thing I might throw out there is how much of that is a sign of the times. Like, if Picard was serving in Kirk's era where details were probably less of a big deal, how much of it is his personality and how much of it is his culture and era? And does that matter?
1: We have to judge this on what they are. Right, you know, we we Regardless talked about the justice right? one about the sign, uh, the the times. But I think, in that case, you know, even contextually, Kirk's actions were problematic, even in that
0: time. At that point, with Kirk, is that you know the Prime Directive was much looser, and it seemed like the Prime Directive was more about getting fixing stuff or whatever, as opposed uh-huh. to strict non-interference yeah okay, even as I'm thinking about that, I'm trying to picture Picard as a captain in Kirk's era. I feel like with his personality one i'm not i mean would he have been a captain back then? I don't know. Did you all have to have charisma and machismo, and like that was what what made a captain back in that era, but if Picard was a captain, I feel like he is a Attention to details, kind of a guy, like he would still fastidious. Whereas I don't think that's in Kirk's personality.
1: Right, I would agree with that. Okay, I mean he's far more fastidious.
0: Yes. All right, so we will give that one to Captain Picard. Yes. Yes. All right, so that is our eleven categories. As a recap, that gives Kirk. Responsible, decisive, that gives Picard the planner, Kirk courageous, Picard fair and a team player, Kirk self-control, Picard leading from the front, Kirk respected, Picard sympathetic and detailed, which means that our final score, Captain James T. Kirk, 5, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, 6. The greatest captain in the history of Star Trek, my friends, was Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Scientifically proven. Scientifically proven. We have literally consulted all of the experts in, in leadership. Napoleon Hill, Sun Tzu, come on. We've done it all to prove <laughs> once and for all Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Congratulations. We never figured out what kind of a prize we were going to get for him. Um, he's a fictional character. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. All right, my friends. Hey, you know what? This was, uh, this was a long, long process. But for, for me, I feel, I feel very good about this conclusion and, Moving forward, when I get together with other Trekkies and we have the debate, who is the greatest captain of all, I feel very confident saying, like, I know the answer, guys. (laughs) There's no debate. (laughs) I've literally spent, like, hours talking about who it is, and it is Captain Picard for, like, 35 reasons.
1: (laughs) And would you say that 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 would be your answer going into that conversation?
0: Um, no, I mean, and I think we said this in the first episode, I had always heard that Captain Janeway, if you looked at her qualities, she would have been the best captain. I mean, again, I'm not terribly surprised that it was going to be one and two for a while there. Even as we were going, I'm like, dude, this is going to be Captain Kirk. He's going to take this. And Picard kind of made a comeback. And, um, with all of the discussion, it it I'm convinced it made sense to me.
1: So if I would have asked you two months ago, yeah, who your favorite captain was,
0: we'll see. Favorite is a different question.
1: Mm, good point. If good who
0: point. do you think would have been the best captain? Honestly, it's hard to picture now that I've my brain like my mind has been has been shaped by this conversation. So pre all of these conversations, would I have said that he was the best captain? I'm not sure. I mean, to be honest, I grew up as a as more of a Kirk fan. I like the the brash boldness, but it was kind of the like yeah. And I mean, because I don't know, Picard's a little more boring. You know, he's not punching people in the face and throwing rocks at the Gorn or whatever. I guess the Gorn <laughs> threw a rock at him, but nonetheless, it it you know it it makes a lot of sense to me. What about you? Because now you you had said before you and Teresita had said that Kirk is your favorite captain.
1: Yes, yes. Kirk Kirk has been my favorite for a long time. Picard for uh, Teresita. So,
0: but you also said that next gen was your. I mean, you that was what you grew up with. Yeah. So, uh, I'm I, I that- really like yeah all right, all right, well, my friends, this was madness, and as the the n c w a tournament is heating up right now uh if you're listening to this and it's still march uh our captain's madness has finished. I hope you uh came along for the ride, and if you have any thoughts or comments or anything like that, like please feel free. we would love to interact i mean again i I know most uh, a, a lot of you that are listening probably see us on a daily basis, so you can say hello and, and give us uh, feedback that way, or go on Twitter, uh, again, trek underscore ology, uh, and tweet at us. We would love to hear some of your feedback, and uh, uh, again, are you still holding out for Captain Jellico that we didn't give him uh, a fair enough <laughs> shot that he could have made it all the way to the final? Um, who knows we will never know because we're you know we landed where we did but I did want to preview our next episode uh, we are gonna be bringing back our buddy Robert uh, if you were with fan us favorite. yes I'm assuming he's a fan favorite back from December we did our episode where we watched measure of a man And then Robert, who had never seen that or much Star Trek at all, was able to kind of give us a fresh perspective on AI and androids and sentience and life and all of that. So what we thought we'll do is we're bringing Robert back next episode to talk about eugenics and gene modification and all of that. And we're going to watch together the original series episode Space Seed. If you're unfamiliar with that episode, go ahead, watch it before you listen to next episode. It's, it's a classic. Obviously, it's the one where they introduce Khan and then it spins off into Star Trek Two eventually. Uh, but it'll be very interesting to hear uh, that discussion, what we think about eugenics, both in that episode and in our world today. So... Look forward to that coming up in April. Greg, any parting thought?
1: I'm just glad that we have settled this captain debate once and for all. Now people can stop talking about it.
0: (laughs) It will never be brought up ever again. (laughs) All right. That is all for us, my friends. So as always, we sign off by saying live long and prosper. Peace and long life.